Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm glad each one of you are here. And we are in the Bible. No, we're in, in uh, Joshua. And if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 4, that's where we will be picking up this morning. Um, I want to mention that there are announcement sheets out there. And so they're right on the uh, welcome desk. If you didn't receive one, grab one on the way out so you know what's going on throughout the, um, the week. And also, Children's Church begins today, right? Yes. So if there are any children here, uh, but not you guys that are 18 and 19, just the, the <laughs> Israel, no, 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 it's not for your age. <laughs> but um, anyway, Children's Church started today. And I'm very thankful for that and for the, those uh, in our fellowship that have been involved in uh, getting the uh, Children's Church organized because it really makes it nice for parents when they come with small children to be able to have a place where they go and they're hearing the same thing only at their own level. And I also want to mention um, the fact that uh, Betty Richardson, some of you, probably most of you don't know her, but uh, she was a member of Middler Ave Westland Church. I was her pastor for many, many, many years, and she went to be with the Lord. And uh, so her uh, calling hours will be this Wednesday from 11 to 12 with the service following afterwards. And um, Betty Richardson had a mother, Leona Williams, and she was such an amazing part of our church. I mean, when I was pastoring there, she was, to me, was already old. And uh, she used to call me, this shows you how far back it was, she used to call me her freckle-faced, red-headed little boy. Yes, I had red hair, and yes, I had freckles, and yes, I was little. Still am little. But anyway, um, anyway, it's going to be at Newcomers Funeral Home if you'd like to, to make it there. And um, also, just to mention too, just a little inside family thing, but good for all of you to know, Today is my mother-in-law's 100th birthday. She was born on the... I know, isn't that amazing? She was born on the 4th of July in 1922. 21, I knew that. I just wanted to make sure you're aware and up on things, yes. That would make her 100, right? Okay. Um, you know, and it's happy 4th of July. And when I think of the 4th of July, I think of our you know, country finding its independence... But what it reminds me of, too, is how God used this country as far as missions were concerned. Did you know that the United States has sent out more missionaries than all the rest of the world combined? All the rest of the world combined. And more people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ throughout the world because of our missionaries going out. And what a legacy that is for us to hang on to, especially in the times in which we're living. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And through him and by the, his indwelling, we are born again and have salvation. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of peace that we can have in our hearts, no matter what is going on around us. We know we belong to you, and we know that your, all of your prophecies will be fulfilled 100%. And I pray, Father, that you bless each one here today, and as we go through this portion of Scripture, if there are any, Lord, who don't know you who, or who really aren't sure if they were ever born again, that maybe the things we discuss would encourage them to make that decision. And so, Father, I pray for your anointing, so aware that on my own I have nothing to share. But just use me, Lord, to minister to these, your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
<clears throat> you know, we're entering a time in history that speaks of the nearness of the Lord's return. You understand that, don't you? I mean, things are happening so quickly in this world that it's absolutely amazing. And I want to share with you, this is an account that I just read this week. And um, this is concerning a, a pastor, Olaf Letzel. Now, Pastor Olaf Letzel is a pastor of the Evangelical Church in Germany. And he was tried and was found guilty in a court in uh, Berlin, Germany. And they found uh, him guilty of sedition. Now, here's his crime. He was accused of inciting hatred against homosexuals about, uh, by speaking against the Berlin Pride March and sharing the biblical definition of gender and sexuality at a couple's retreat. And he was arrested for sedition. And yet, for months prior to that, um, his services were constantly interrupted by gay activists who came in and, and hurled all kinds of insults at the congregation, but that wasn't a hate crime. Now, understand, that's just one thing. There are certain things that the world and Satan is using to try to come against Christians, but we're going to read a portion of Scripture that talks about there's, there are a lot more sins in homosexuality. But the fact is, that Satan is going to use what he can to come against the church. And so certain things that the church would stand for that he can really point at, he's going to use to come against us. But all the sins we're going to be looking at in a moment really take away from our ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anyway, um, here's the thing. If this even just shakes you a little bit, it should. Because that's where our country's at right now. Do you understand? All the laws are on the books for these same kind of uh, kinds of uh, discrimination to be placed against the church right now. Right now, we could be arrested. I could be arrested, you know, for the things that I say. But we have to understand that all this is speaking to us of the time of the Lord's return. His return is near. Because, you know, so often when we think about the coming of the Lord and all the things that are going to be happening in the world and are happening in the world and how crazy everything is getting and how persecution is going to start breaking out in the church and even worse, we have to understand that was prophesied. That was prophesied. And we have to understand and realize that all that is going to happen because God is going to pour out his wrath on an unbelieving world. But in his grace and mercy, those of us who are born again are going to be taken out of the world in what is called the rapture. You know, so many people think that's such a fairy tale. There's no way that could happen. Yes, it can. We are three-part beings. And this body, which we carry around our soul and spirit, our self-identity and all of our morals, is actually going to be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. And we're going to set aside these mortal bodies and put on immortal bodies to be taken up to heaven with the Lord. And understand, even during that time, God is not finished with earth. I believe the greatest revival the earth has ever seen will take place during the tribulation. And I've shared this with you, with you a number of times. So many people come to know Jesus Christ that Antichrist has to have some kind of a numbering system, some kind of a system to find out who's a believer and who's not, the mark of the beast. But all of this, 
brothers and sisters. Even during the tribulation, we're going to have great revival. All these crazy things are going to be happening. And understand, during the tribulation, it's not man's you know, inhumanity to man. It's all God's wrath coming down upon man. But what is the end of all of this? What is the end of the seven years of tribulation? A new heaven and a new earth eventually. But he is going to bring the earth back to the very place that he initially created it. The curse is going to be removed from the earth. And you and I, who are saved and are going to be raptured, we're going to reign with Christ on earth. Because all those who are left after the tribulation is over with, all those who have taken the mark of the beast and followed the Antichrist, they're going to be removed. And those that are left are going to repopulate the earth, and you and I as believers are going to reign with Christ. And it's going to be perfect. It's going to be as Christ intended the earth to be. Wow. <clears throat> what a promise that is for you and I. Now, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with the portion of Scripture we're covering? <clears throat> it has a lot to do with it. Because God is laying out to the children of Israel the things that they need to do in order to not only show their faith and love for him and to him, but also how he is going to use them in order to win you know, nations to his saving faith. It's absolutely amazing. And um, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, go to verse 1. <clears throat> but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And, um, you know, we're going to see as we look at this first, there are, are a number of sins. It's not just homosexuality that we have to be concerned about as believers. For men will be lovers of themselves, does that sound familiar? Lovers of money, hmm. Boasters, wow, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, move over to 1 Corinthians, or back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that unrighteousness, that the un, I'm sorry, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's very specific. Now, understand that in the Greek, it's a present continuous tense that's being talked about here. So it's not talking about someone who has lied. It's not talking about someone who has fallen to any of these sins. Because any one of us could fall to these sins. But we, we, confess, we confess and we repent and come back to the Lord. What it's talking about here is someone who's living that lifestyle. <clears throat> excuse me, without any desire of repentance. And um, so then in verse 11 of uh, this portion of Corinthians, I love it. It says, and such were some of you, right? Wasn't that us? 
but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. And then in Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, in him we have redemption, Jesus Christ, we have, a, have redemption through his blood, the sacrifice, the blood that was shed for all of our sin, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he uh, purposed for him, he purposed in him, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time we might gather together, listen to this, we might gather, gather together one in one all things in Christ, both which are heaven and are in earth talking about when we gather together to rapture. That's the promise where we're going to be. <clears throat> now, I share this as an introduction because as we look at this particular portion of Scripture, we're going to find that the answer to much of what I just shared in this introduction is going to be found here, what it means to us and how we can have victory. Because when we study the victories and defeats of Israel, it is a constant reminder of at least two things, Okay. First, when we're outside of God's will, things don't go well with us. But it's another reminder as well that even when we're in God's will, it doesn't mean we won't have problems. And some people have a problem with that. They think God is their personal little genie. I'm just going to rub the pot and my personal genie comes out and he's at my command and I just tell him what I want and he does it. God's not your genie. He's your God. He's your Lord. And he has purposed your life even before you were born. And so we have to understand, when we go to the Lord, we say, God, use me. And sometimes things do go well for you. But there are times, even when you're in the center of God's will, you have difficulties and hard times. And those are the times that we can demonstrate our faith more than any other time. It's easy to demonstrate our faith in a positive way when everything's going great. Oh, hallelujah, everything's great, I'm doing great, you know. But when hard times come and we say, I belong to Jesus, I stand on God even with all this that's going on, I trust the Lord. Because my Bible, that's a silly way to say something, but your Bible too, but our Bibles say all things. How many? All things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So you might have things going on in your life and you're thinking, how can that work for good? Well, if it was up to you, it probably wouldn't. <laughs> but in God's economy, all things work for good. <clears throat> so in Joshua chapter 4, go to verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. And, um, and it's, it's interesting because, um, and, and Pastor Frank Jr. mentioned this in the first service, some people say crossing the Red Sea is, is uh, salvation and crossing the Jordan is uh, heaven. But it isn't. Crossing the Red Sea is coming out of sin, and crossing the Jordan is going into salvation. It's going into the promises of God. And um, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, and you shall carry them over uh, with you and leave them in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight, which we'll find in a moment is Gilgal. But 
what happened is when the priests walked into the Jordan, it tells us in the chapter Pastor Frank covered, the water stood up, stood on end. <clears throat> now, I don't know if, what you think of when you think of the Jordan. If you think like the little creek that's out here when you cross over the bridge, you're wrong. The Jordan is wide, and the Jordan runs quickly. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I, I don't know if you were too, Frank, we were baptized in the Jordan, where John the ba- right where John the Baptist baptized. And it was a symbolic baptism, obviously, because we had already been baptized. But the fact is, when the waters stopped, when God stopped the waters, when the priest, the minute their foot touched the water, it backed up and stopped. It said it went up in a heap. It probably would have been out of your sight, because it was that flood stage anyway. And that water just backed up. And they walked over on dry ground. It's absolutely amazing. Verse 4, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Remember, the water's dry. So when they walk into the Jordan, the, the, you know, the riverbed's right there. They can pick these stones up. Verse 6, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask you in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Brothers and sisters, when our children ask, what does our salvation mean to us? We need to have an answer. And we need to be able to explain to them what God has done for us. It's not just some you know, theory or just some historical lesson we're trying to learn. This is what God has done for us. And we need to tell our children, and this is what God wants to do for you. He wants you to cross over too. And I think it's important for us to understand it. Verse 7. <clears throat> then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they carried them over with them um, to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. Remember, the Jordan's still dry right now. The priests are still standing there. And he sets up 12 stones in the midst, not only the 12 stones that are going across, but Joshua himself set up 12 as a memorial in the midst of the Jordan, um, in the place where the feet of the priests uh, who bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now, the stones, of course, were a memorial of what the Lord had done for them. And the thing is, we all should have memorials in our life as believers. We don't literally take a stone and lay it up and say, oh, I'm going to take a stone, this is a memorial. But in our heart, we have memorials in our life. And when we look back to those memorials and we see what God has done, it encourages us. <clears throat> I'm, rem- I'm going to share a story that I probably shared with some of you 450,000 times, but I'm going to share it again anyway. It makes my point. Um, I shared with you that when I was 10 years old, I was in the hospital, and I made a promise to God if he healed me, I'd grow up and be a minister and God did heal me. And I grew up and forgot all about it and was going my own way. And um, I was actually teaching at Horseheads High School at the time. I'd gone through the Army, through college, graduate school, and I was teaching. 
And I was, those of you that are hunters, I was up in a tree stand and, uh, you know, waiting for the first light to come up. And um, it, was, it was doe season, too. And for those of you that are animal lovers, just to let you know, I've never gotten a deer. <laughs> I never once. <clears throat> but I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I had come over me a reminder of the fact that I had promised to give my life to the Lord as a pastor. And I said, Lord, I don't know if this is, because we had gotten saved after we came back from Puerto Rico. And um, so anyway, I, I made this promise to God, you know, that I would do whatever he told me to do. And so he was reminding me of this promise I made when I was 10 years old. And I said to him, Lord, if this really is your voice, let me see a deer. <laughs> and I wasn't intending to shoot it. Okay, Lord, this is my chance now. And... So anyway, just as the sun was coming up, you know, it has that red glow through the trees, right there, almost right in front of me was this beautiful doe. And I just started crying because I knew it meant the Lord was speaking to me that I needed to fulfill my promise to go into the ministry. And the thing is, he spoke to me that I was going to go to the Onondaga Indian Reservation. Now, you have to understand something. I knew nothing about the Onondaga Indian Reservation. I didn't even know what the... You know, they needed a pastor or church or anything like that. So that Sunday, which was the next day, Vime and children and I were in church, and the pastor was giving a time for people to ask for prayer. And this one woman stood up, and I can mention her name. Her name was Claudia Eastwood, and she was born and raised in the Onondaga Nation. And she stood up and she said, Pastor, I would really like to have prayer that they'd be able to find a pastor for the Onondaga Indian Reservation because if they don't, they're going to close it down. And it's the oldest mission church in the United States. And then she turned around, and she pointed at me. She said, Frank, will you go? How do you deny the power and voice of the Lord? That's a stone in my heart. That's a memorial stone in my life. If people ever say, how do you know you're called into the ministry? Let me tell you. And you guys would be saying, not again. But anyway, uh, those are the kinds of memorial stones that we need to put into our heart. How many of you can think of times that the Lord really showed you something, spoke something to you? That's what you need to keep in, in your heart. And uh, because it's so easy to forget all that the Lord has done for us when we're going through difficult times. And yet it's in the difficult times that we really see the, you know, the, the workings of God in our lives. In the good times, sometimes that's when we fall off. Have you ever noticed that? Things are going good. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta start praying again. I got to start doing my devotionals again in the morning. Things are going bad. Oh, God. You know. <laughs> but we have to be able to love the Lord and want to be in devotions and in relationship with him in the good times as well as the bad times. Because one of the things you find in life, I mean, maybe some of you have never found this out. Probably life has been so perfect for you and you've never had a problem. You don't know what I'm talking about. But for most of us, either you're going into a problem, okay, or you're in a problem, or you're coming out of a problem, or you're going into a problem, isn't that how life is? I mean, it'd be wonderful if you got saved in life with just, woo. But you get saved in life is still up and down. 
But our faith is different, and how we handle life is different. Because we trust the Lord God Almighty, and that what he is doing is for his purpose and for his good. There's been a lot of tragedy and hard times that all of us face in life. But God is always good. Now, like Moses, Joshua chose 12 men, one from each of the tribes. And what does this demonstrate? That the work of God is for all people. Not just for a select few, it's for all people. As an example, Pastor Frank Jr. and I are not only preachers of the gospel, we're not the only preachers of the gospel. Every one of you are a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility, according to Scripture, is to equip you for the works of ministry. But if you want to know who the preachers of Jesus Christ are, you have to look in a mirror. It's you. You see people and meet people and around people I'll never meet. And so we have to understand that ministry isn't, you know, that's why I don't use the term, I'm the minister. You're all ministers. You're all to be going out and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're all to be preachers of righteousness. Now, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says, For he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. In the Greek, that's a hyphenated word. It's one word. It means the shepherd is also supposed to teach. Pastor teachers, why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not the fullness of ourselves, the fullness of Christ. And this is why our work as believers is never done. It's never complete in Jesus Christ. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we are to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as we have life, we are to be sharing our faith. I heard someone say one time that we should do all we can to tell others about Christ. And when it's absolutely necessary, talk. Because sometimes that's all people do is talk. And that's all they do. And people look at their life and they think, your life should be your testimony. It provides opportunity for you to talk and share your faith. Now, understand the stones they gathered had no specific power. They were simply a reminder. And we have to keep those reminders in our heart. And also notice these men did not go over after, but before the ark. What does this mean? Well, it means that the priests walked in, God went before them, and opened the waters. But then they were supposed to pass through in obedience and following the Lord. And once the, all the people had gotten through, once everyone has crossed over to the other side of the Jordan, only then do the priests come out of the water and the waters go back to flood stage. You know, so we have to remember, God opens the doors, but guess what? We have to walk through them. He opens the doors, walk through it, whatever he's calling you to do. Verses 10 through 18. So the priests who bore the ark stood um, in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people who hurried and, and, and crossed over. <clears throat> Verse 11. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests 
crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the men of the half-tribe of Manasseh, they crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. Remember, those tribes wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan and, and uh, take their legacy there. And uh, they said, oh, no, you've got to be part of the battle. And they said, no, we'll go first into battle, but let us come back and settle this side of the, of the Jordan. And so Moses gave them permission as long as their men crossed over first. So we see this fulfilled right here. Verse 13. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over <clears throat> before the Lord in battle, to bet for battle, to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up uh, from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land. Listen to this. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You have water standing up. It didn't spread out. It stood up out of sight. You couldn't even see the top of it. And then when they crossed the river, I mean, what an amazing you know, thing that must have been to see. So we see that the priest not only went into the Jordan first to prepare the way for the men to cross over, but they also stayed there in obedience to God's word until he told them to come out, until the task was finished. And so we have to realize that as believers, we don't run from difficulty. We stand face-to-face -to, -face to difficulty with the power of God on our side. And realize that when these priests were standing in the Jordan, we get these visions in our head of, of uh, oh, yeah, they stood there for about an hour. There were anywhere from two to three million Israelites do you know how long they would have stood in that Jordan? A long time for all those people to pass over. I mean, just the faith of the priests. But it just shows also the hand of God and his ability to protect his people. Every single one of those people, not one left behind, crossed over before the Jordan came back together in the power of God. And so we have to realize believers are not to run away from difficulty. But we need to stand fast in the middle of difficulty. Just like the priest stood fast in the middle of the Jordan. And so when you have tough times coming your way, and I guarantee you, you probably do have tough times right now or tough times are coming your way, stand fast because you belong to the Lord. And all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory, it's saying it will work for good. Sometimes through the greatest tragedies in our life, the greatest blessings of God comes. And that's what we have to keep in mind. You know, death is nothing for we believers. R really? It's nothing for we believers to fear, is it? What if your death would lead to the salvation of many? I'm not saying take your life because that's wrong. But I'm saying... What if your death would lead to the salvation of many? Would you in your heart be looking forward to that day that God could use you one last time to lead many to Christ? We don't fear death as believers. We shouldn't. I mean, some of the process we might. <laughs> but we don't fear death. 
We belong to God. Now, I love it where it says, as soon as the priest uh, carrying the ark hit dry ground, the waters came back together. And once you've worked through all your trials, you have to leave them behind. Jordan was left behind. And so there are trials you go through as a believer, right? Sometimes serious trials you go through. And once you're through that trial, and it's over with, forget it. We always want to go back and visit our trials, and all it does is make us feel lousy. Those trials are gone. They're in the past. We've walked through those trials. We're now going forward with the Lord. Leave those behind. You know, bitterness is a, is a sin. It's a real sin. And when you start looking back on your trials, you're going to be bitter all the time. We don't have to be bitter. We can be excited about what the Lord has lying before us, the victories he has before us. And then finishing up with verses 19 through 24, now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east side of the Jordan. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Our children cannot be saved by secondhand experience. Our children aren't saved because of our salvation. They have to have their own salvation. So when our children ask us about our faith, we need to have a ready answer of how God took us out of our sin and out of the muck and the mire of our lives, and he lifted us up into his glorious salvation. And children, he can do that for you. Because we have to understand, our children are sinners. I'm not saying that in some kind of an ugly, judgmental way. We're all sinners saved by grace. But sometimes people have a tendency to think, well, my children, I don't have to worry about them. They're saved. Do you know your children are saved? Have you ever talked to your children about their salvation? Have they ever confessed their salvation to you? And, and We need to do this. And that's why this is saying, when your children ask you, we have to be willing to give an answer. And then verse 22, then you shall um, let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord God dried up the waters, the Jordan, before you until had crossed over, um, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before uh, us until we crossed over. That all the people of the earth, this is the reason, may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Well, the 12 stones represented all 12 tribes, meaning there's no one excluded from salvation. No one. No one's excluded. Our testimony is to, to the world. But we have to understand, it's so important for us to realize that our children have to come first. Our families have to come first. You know, <laughs> I think what happens sometimes is you have people get so involved in ministry that they forget their own families. And one of the things that I've always said, not only personally but from the pulpit, my first ministry is to my family. Even as a pastor, my first ministry is to my family. That has to come, they have to come first. Because once I have encouraged them and, and they have established themselves in the faith, then it gives me more freedom to go out and share with the lost around. That's why scripture tells us, in, in fact, in Acts chapter 1-8, if you take notes, 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power, power, dunamis, the ability to do whatever God wants you to do, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you should be witness to me, listen, in Jerusalem, that's right where they're located, and all Judea, that's the outskirts, and then Samaria, that's going into other parts of, of the country, and to the ends of the earth. And so, we can't be witnesses to the ends of the earth until we're a witness to our own family, until we're ministering to our own family. Then we can move out. You know, I've actually had people say to me, what does it feel like to have all your family saved? You know, your, and your children, your grandchildren. There's only one answer I have. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Because I'll tell you what. If I had a child or a grandchild that became a multi-millionaire, they were the greatest brain in the world, and they weren't saved, I'd weep every night. I'd weep every night. But I could have a child or a grandchild who digs ditches by the sweat of their brow, feeds their family, and they love Jesus. I would rejoice every night. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught up in the mindset of the world. The mindset of the world is, is, is position, money, this and that. It, that means nothing. The only thing that matters is our relationship with God. You know, we have to realize that we all have a choice to make. What is your choice? I'm just being honest with every one of you. Have you personally made a commitment to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or are you relying on a second-hand relationship with God through your family or friends? What have you done? You need to commit your life to Jesus Christ personally. Every one of God's prophecies that were of the past have been fulfilled, and all of his future prophecies shall be fulfilled. How do I know that? And I shared this with you before, because of Israel. Here you have a people that were not a people, as Scripture says, cast throughout the world for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was prophesied they'd be back in their land, speaking their ancient language, and they are. It was prophesied that all the nations around them would be angry with them and come against them, and they are. What does that speak to us? The nearness of the Lord's return for his church, the rapture. Because the time of the Gentiles will be through, and the ministry goes back into the hands of the Jews during that tribulation period. And so we have to realize the time is at hand. It's near. And so I'm speaking to everyone. Have you really made a commitment to Jesus Christ? Or is it just a family thing? Or is it just a social thing? So I'm going to ask you a question. If you have not made that kind of decision... I would encourage you, as I'm praying, to come and sit in this front row. And Pastor Frank will come up with me, and we'll pray for your salvation. I'm not trying to put anyone in the spot. I'm not going to stand up here and keep calling out you know, uh, directives until someone comes up. If no one comes up, that's fine. But if you're a young person or an older person, and you've never made your own commitment to Jesus Christ, I encourage you to come up and sit in this front row. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you so much for the fact that you do hear and answer prayer. And the greatest joy that we can have is knowing you, is being born again of the Spirit. And I pray, Father, if there are any here this morning that really couldn't 
give a, a, a real testimony that they've been born again, this would be the day of their salvation. And they would come forward to just give a testimony to you and to all of us who love them of their desire to be saved and to be born again. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you hear and know all things. You know our heart. You know even our inner voices. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, my friends.